0: out here being beasted day in day out and nobody's helping us it's getting completely out of control which is broken man after broken man after broken man and in central london tier one contractor they had a guy cut his own throat on, on the building site been and that same company had someone last year do the same thing but with um, with a noose around his neck unfortunately i thought he's gonna kill himself tonight and the police are gonna find him they're gonna pick his phone up and i'm the last person he's ever spoken to
1: The mental health crisis that has gripped the UK demolition and construction industry has divided the sector into two distinct camps. There are those that speak of their awareness, who post well-meaning social media posts on World Mental Health Day, and who appoint mental health first aiders to place a big tick on the mental health check sheet. And then there are those that take actual, tangible action. Steve Kerslake is of the latter category. A groundworker by trade and a survivor of PTSD, Kerslake has taken up the fight against the construction industry's mental health and suicide epidemic. And his weapon of choice is sport. Frustrated by some of the industry's efforts to combat mental health issues, he founded the Construction Sport Charity. So, in this exclusive conversation, I started by asking where and how it all began.
0: Pretty much all from first-hand experience, really, but... um. Yeah, I suppose coming to the industry um, when I was 16, 17 years old through a, a good friend of mine's dad who had a position as a labourer for me there. He said, do you want to join on? A, join the company um, and come working with us straight after school? And that was pretty much off the football field. So, um, yeah, got into construction through sport, shall we say. Um, and then, yeah, years down, a couple of years down the line, I was caught up in an incident with um, uh, sulfuric acid. Had um, thrown on me in 2008, 2009 time and that then led on to um i've done very well physically to get over it it's not too many too many scars but um the effect that had on me personally over the next few years um resulted into a, a lot of mental health issues in some respect and um yeah i was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder um I ignored that, knowing that I wasn't in the military. I didn't really feel like being just a a guy who was caught out on a night out in the wrong place at the wrong time really warranted what PTSD was. So I ignored it as much as I could for a number of years, um, and it haunted me in many ways. And I ended up physically suffering hugely um, with what was known as ulcerative colitis uh, of the stomach. I then looked into some research on what ulcerative colitis is, and it's very much based with st- the stomach and how your stomach is related to stress and anxiety and the butterflies we get with nerves and that kind of stuff. Um, and the two and two just linked very much. And I, I never know s- to the science of it today if that was, but it made a lot of sense to me that that could have played a, a, a detrimental effect on what was what, what the, the operations I then led, was led on to have. And, um, I went back onto sites throughout in between operations that I had and throughout all of this. I was always going back to the construction site, always back to the site. And then um, I realised that I had this anger towards the industry in terms of nobody cares about me or what's happened to me. And I wanted to go out there and just kind of, I had a lot of anger towards the world, really, not just the industry. And then then I started looking after quite a few sites whilst I was in and out of these operations I had, I couldn't be on the tools as much. And the company that I worked for were fortunate enough to say to me, we, you can serve a purpose to a steel, and you can help put, go through my supervisor tickets and then onto a foreman kind of works manager role in the end. And then I realized that everybody I spoke to on site was going through something and it was a hundred percent of people. It was no one in four, as they say, or two in four or three or whatever the stats were. I was like, we're all affected in one way shape or form and we're all out here being beasted day in day out and nobody's helping us and um i then got on to was working on crossrail for five years um and then i went to the the senior management there and just said that we get a couple of days through the um for charity purposes could i set up a walk um and for us to do a big walking challenge and i want to walk 100 miles from the start from the western peak to the the eastern peak of, of the project um like that we we were talking about stories about our past and our current lives and that that we' never ever spoke about, and we worked together for five, six years before this, and I thought, why has it taken five years to find out that you're actually really struggling and we go but his story was like one of the main guys he's got his son wasn't too well at the time, and he's a big macho guy at home for the family, and he goes to work and he's a big P-Way engineer, and he's a big tough character at work. And he doesn't have any time just to drop that guard. Um, and then that's when I realized by creating an opportunity to take part in a, a long distance walk or any sporting opportunity that gives people the opportunity just to let off a bit of weight off their shoulders and just de- depress, de- depress a little bit instead of compressing, shall we say. And um, yeah, it just went from then. I went job to job and it worked out. I was very much in the freelance world as well. So it always worked as very much a, a positive string to my bow of what I could bring to a project um People would say, oh, "Steve, get Steve on board. Help him out. He, he'd done a golf day for one of the lads that we'd done some work with a few years ago, and it worked really well. Get him on here, and he'll, he'll produce some events on the project I'm working on." And yeah, one thing led to another. um Yeah, there was a couple of charities out there, and that I spoke to, and they wasn't too interested. So I went down the the route on my own and said, "That how do I set up a charity?" um I went, spoke to a few good friends of mine, um and they helped me. And then we got there after three years of fighting it. We got the charity status, and then. Walked straight into COVID, but now we're on, on the on the other side of that. So there's a short story of how it all works.
1: <laughs> there's a couple of bits I want to pick up on. That you, you, you mentioned yeah. the, the the term um, we we're, we're all beasted on site, and that is exactly yeah. the case, isn't it?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. We never. It's always program, program, program. So the groundwork side of it, and we work with a lot of concrete over the years. Um, and you always pushed and pushed for that big day of pouring concrete and. And I was there pushing the guys as well. I'd three at one stage 350 guys on the site that I was overseeing. Um, And it was right. It's got to hit this target. And I was going into the office at four o'clock to report back on the day. Right. Tomorrow you need to get to this step and you get to this step. And then once we were finally ahead, then they just compressed the program. Now you need to get ahead again. You need. To get, there was never, right, lads, you've done well this Thursday afternoon. You're ahead of schedule. Concrete's coming Monday. Be ready for Monday morning. It'd be, Right, that concrete on Monday, we're going to put that in Friday morning now. Crack on. And then I always say in into, the into terminology of sports world as well, there's no pre-season in construction. Um, and even even to the military guys I speak to as well, and they go away on tour, and this is no, no disrespect or no comparison, but my, my view on is why we are so compressed with it always. There's no... Let's have a bit of a a bit of time and rest today that we've done well in the last few weeks. There's there's never that, it's always if we're ahead of schedule, bring the schedule closer and we can push and push and push. And that only obviously the statistics prove that that only goes one way, unfortunately.
1: You've mentioned the fact that you, you spent a lot of time in the freelance world. And, and to my mind, that's one of the issues that is a contributing factor in all of this. The fact that you've got a, a great swathe of the, the construction workforce who don't know where the next job's coming from. They're not entirely certain on job security. They could be laid off at a moment's notice On in some instances. That all contributes to the, to the greater issue, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, 100%. We always said that. I actually had the same conversation yesterday with a friend of mine and, he said about a few people being signed off sick. And he said, it's, you now at that point of the only people get signed off sick and who go away for mental health issues, potentially who aren't heads aren't right. They're never the self-employed people. Self-employed people can't afford to be having days off. And I, I speak, speak to first-hand guys all the time who literally say, I can't have a day off to rest my mental health because I'll go, I'll be, I'm, I'm trying to chase money all the time. And if I have a day off, I lose my day's money. So it, that mental health, benefit of having a day off is just you get hit again the other way because you've just you're you're now however much away from a bill that's going to be paid off so there's no yeah there is no kind of there's just no ease with it is there it's just kind of and i agree i spoke to a friend of mine from outside the industry and he said it needs to all become employed but then at the same time that same big project that i worked on before with 350 people that i oversee we got told on a thursday afternoon by monday that's got to be cut to 200 people just because they wanted to save some money, and we had to let the agencies know on site, they were in a hell of a pickle because they said that we've only got a day, a day's notice to find 150 guys a job for Monday. Um, so, but that was just as cutthroat as it is, and it, and it is today for sure. I see it still firsthand that people saying, "Right, need to save the thing that you really used to wind me up would that be, let we need to save money, bang, right, cut labor, put more pressure on the other guys, they can pull rank a little bit." but then they wouldn't actually go around and take off the chart of what's on hire. <laughs> and you could say that's been sat there for months. This has been sat there for months. That's been sat there for months. If you off hire all those, you'll save a lot of money, keep the guys here and, and we can deliver properly without as much pressure. But this, yeah, there is so many factors like I say still to today. The, on the ground.
1: A lot of this feels like it is of the industry's own making. Um, obviously you've just mentioned sort of the freelance, the, the agency workers never know where their next job's coming from. There's always uncertainty about um you know whether they'll be paid or paid on time or whatever it might be. You've also got that issue of people being forced to or required to work away from family friends, support networks, and that kind of thing often for prolonged periods of time. We've effectively created our own perfect storm, haven't we?
0: yeah, one hundred percent there's no kind of let's say all the guys a lot of the guys I've come across who come from up north will come down south for the week. And they've literally only seen their kids. So maybe they'll get home late on a Friday, go out and drink on a Friday night, be hungover Saturday, and then by Sunday afternoon, they're back in the van coming down again. So they get pushed to obviously having a drink. It's become a culture where we just that's what they're used to. And it's a person, and I've always done it. Someone has always said to me, if you don't want to do your boss's job, choose another per- career path. And that always played true my head because I was working on the railway side of things and it was just broken man after broken man after broken man. And I could see it in families and everybody's giving up their Christmases for their children because it's literally just the work's there and you push and push and push. And then 15 years down the line when the, the kids aren't enjoying Christmas as much, that they've, they've realised they've not even been there to support their kids or, or be there in person. They've financi- financially supported them. But then that, that, that kind of relationship disappeared with, with the wife and kids and again it's just this recipe of disaster um working away from home uh probably the hours we do can play a part but at the same time we're we're given opportunities to work by the hour and support and take as much as we can and i was for the railway world we'd take 72 hours every week we could um but it's only then later on i realized hang on a sec i need to uh, ease that off a little bit and um unfortunately yeah i have I'm, i work local to home and not, not far from london so i've never really had to travel too much but I come. We come across every single day of people having to go out out of their means to support their family, basically.
1: One, one of my, my concerns with all of this is there's been a drive over the past, I guess, five years or thereabouts, for greater mental health awareness. Um, we've got people running mental health awareness courses, mental health awareness, first aiders and all that kind of thing. But awareness isn't actually the same as action, is it?
0: No, 100% not. i we were in a position where the awareness is brilliant. It's great. Well, it was, we all know now we know the work, the industry is absolutely knackered, um, in terms of mental health. There's no more awareness to be done. We're all fully aware of it. It's now, like you say, it's action. It's what can we do? Um, yeah, the awareness thing's like a, probably a, a sore spot for me really. Cause I'm just like, I know it's bad. The guys I work with are living it day in, day out firsthand, they don't need to be told to be aware of their mental health. Their awareness is broken. um, but what are companies, what are the industry, what are the HSC doing about it? Um, and last week looked great because it was Mental Health Awareness Week, but we notice it now, emails, all that we look at the, our attraction online and social media. It just it grinds to a halt as soon as these big days are over. And well, a very interesting conversation with a man yesterday, a good friend of mine, and he said these days where people highlight it for a day are actually going against themselves and triggering people with troubles. They feel like they can get the help because everyone's talking about it. And then tomorrow, everyone goes quiet. And that person's there with a fresh memory, fresh nightmare in his head, say. With, again, we with know where to support. But there's nothing to be done. And I, I deal with companies all the time as well. And I, and I can see where they're coming from with it as well. And I, like I say I run my own business as well now. And I know the pressures of chasing chasing money all the time just to be paid on time to pay the guys. There's no, there's no again, the pre-season thing, but there's no, there's so much pressure on companies from the very top to just deliver and that that just they can't focus enough on the workforce because they've got so much pressure on them as well so as you said we've just we've created this perfect storm but yeah um, we're very much and i say all the time we'll talk about it and say awareness every now and then but what more do we need to know and to be to be honest the statistics what are out there i i personally think are uh in a pc way a load of cobblers but the um one in four that the suicide what we're seeing now are saying um the suicide rate what it is two a day that was two a day when i started looking into this six years ago um that now to me i think it's one and a half to two a day i think it's working out but two it's been since before covid it was two a day and i know firsthand just from living my own life just how much more pressure is on me since covid hit so i think the statistics really we should ultimately stand up and say they're none and void at the moment until we and how can we get an idea of what world we live in we do no one knows what's coming today and tomorrow at the moment do we so yeah the, we had this a bit got contacted by the hse last week actually someone a very senior within them contacted me to speak about it and i said yep brilliant and in a way kind of said we're very much aware of talking about this proactively and and action in this so please do get us involved because all i'm reporting is the truth from the ground and I am only one of the guys from the ground It just so happens now that have created a good enough storm that people are starting to listen. Well, start people are starting to hear us from below, whether they're actually listening. That's a, That's another question, but, um, people want to do stuff, but we, and in a way we're construction workers and we're a construction industry. We're not mental health experts. We're not mental health professionals. We need outside influences to come and do this. I don't agree with the mental health first aid England course at all. Um, I'd done that course, and within six weeks, I had someone ring me up from the worst-case scenario. It's nine o'clock at night. I'm sitting there with my three-year-old baby and my, and my wife, and there's guys rung me up who I don't even know. And I said, in, in all due respect, I said, this isn't the right question that you want to hear. I said, but how did you get my number? And he said, oh, a guy I know who works on the building site took your name off the board, and sent and he just sent it to me because he thinks it will help. Um, and then I was in a position where, well, what can I do then? I've not been trained to deal with someone who's about to jump off something. So I rung a charity up and said, can you help him? And they turned around and said to me, we can't help him unless he calls you. And I said, well, he's not going to call you. He's confined in me because he knows someone who knows me. The only thing I could do was ring 999. So I rung 999 and said that the guy's number, I don't know where he is. He's at the worst case scenario, but he needs help. Fortunately, I found out from the guy I knew on site the day after. I had an interesting conversation with about distributing my number to the people because, um, he took around and, uh, yeah, had that, That he was okay. But the, the, the fact of it, I was in a very selfish way. I thought, he's going to kill himself tonight and the police are going to find him. They're going to pick his phone up and I'm the last person he's ever spoken to. And I didn't sleep that whole night and then go on to many, many jobs now, many, many projects. And it's always, we've uh, yeah, we've done the mental health first aid course. We're covered. We've done it. We're covered. And it's very much to me, it's it's been, that the course is flawed to me in terms of it's, not being rolled yeah it's got content in there what's useful but i don't think it's been rolled out right and it's, it's unregulated now and there's companies out there just just throwing it out over three four day courses um to, to lonely people in, inside an office at home and to me that's not healthy at all but yeah there's a long conversation to be had about that one
1: <laughs> one of the things that always strikes me and you've mentioned the health and safety executive there the construction and demolition industry generally hovers around the somewhere between 30 and 40 fatal accidents on site per year and once yeah. a year the hse and the demolition industry of the construction industry gets all up in arms about the fact that we've we've managed to allow 30 or 40 people to die in our midst yeah and yet when it comes to suicide which isn't included within that you're talking not 30 or 40 you're talking 400 500 600 possibly even more because we, we're not yeah. entirely sure what the stats
0: are and yet no. the, the same sort of response doesn't seem to happen it's bizarre, isn't it? As I say I mentioned on the, on t- the documentary thing we done, I said two people a day are killing themselves. I know firsthand these people six years ago, they wasn't on site. They were people you didn't really know about to me personally. And then three years ago two years around COVID time, I started to know people who knew people. Now we know people firsthand who are killing themselves. Um, we can, well, it's getting completely out of control. The it's, it's happening on sites. I know, uh, literally, a company in central London, tier one contractor. They had a guy cut his own throat on on the building site uh, six weeks ago. Not a thing has been said outside of, of the realms of that. But I know because I know a few guys on the ground there. Um, there's been, and that same company had someone last year do the same thing, but with um, with a noose around his neck, unfortunately. But the um, it's just not being spoken about. Whereas if they if that was a guy who had a, was crushed by a pack of bricks or something because they've broken off a crane. The, the national press are all over it, um and the, all the construction magazines and brochure outlets are all over it. But it is completely accepted now that yeah they kill themselves every day. That there's nothing to report on really. That everyone is. But how is that morally right? That's why I just it, it baffles me that as an industry we can sit there and say we do a two day course now. What can help this? And if people are aware of it. They'll save lives, and then if they call certain helplines, they'll get it. But it's a, it's a minimal amount of people who ring helplines. If we just do what's human and communicate with people and give give guys and girls an opportunity just to enjoy themselves away from the stresses of life, we prove it to a very small number. But if the industry just got behind this silly idea that I've got, I honestly believe we could fix a hell of a lot of problems. well it's going to be a tough world to ever get to zero. But Another, zero, it's another thing you look at all the exhibitions and all the shows it's all about net zero net zero and I thought imagine if we drove that much interest in in what we do for net zero into making this number zero um yeah I, I can't get too political but it, it baffles me that how is that morally acceptable to watch this happen in front of our own eyes now and I say there's people I know are witnessing this stuff in front of them and you say that as well with the numbers as well the one two a day and when you start looking back to the post-traumatic stress disorder that I've heavily looked into from my own experiences, these pe- people are suffering with this, and we're inheriting this into our industry from other sectors, like the military or the prison service. And so we bring everyone into the into the industry, and we don't do nothing about it. About what do we do to help them? I spoke on. I spoke to we well, me and two colleagues spoke to over three thousand people on HS2, and two and a half thousand of them. Sorry, 3,000 of them, there's 50 of them, so 2,950 hadn't had any training. 50 people across the 3,000 had mental health first aid training. Not one of the people who had the first aid training was on the ground of the industry. And of all those 3,000 people, not one of them had had any kind of mental health training of some description or just a little bit of education about mental health and what it is and how to deal with it and we're all going to witness trauma in our life we're all going to be slapped in the face by um, a loss of a loved one or a loss of a pet or seeing something we don't want to see um so we've got to prepare 100 percent people to to deal with this and if that's not negligence um, then what is and i said this with the hsc and just look up the word negligence and if you're negligent and you don't you know there's a problem and you don't do something about it then then you're liable. So, as an industry, as the HSC, as every single company, we 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 could, if someone come along with the right frame of mind that was powerful enough, we'd be completely taken down. I believe. But it's just, it's crazy.
1: Well, going to come back to uh, what it is that, that you're doing about this. But you you just mentioned something there. You know, negligence. We, we often use the phrase within the industry, uh, duty of care. You know, we, we are yeah. we have a duty of care to our employees. We have to make sure they're wearing the high vis that you're wearing. They've got to have their hard hat, their site boots and their glasses and their gloves and all that kind of thing but the duty of care seems to stop when it comes to mental health
0: yeah well they do it's it's a complete the duty of care like you say and i've been in their accident reports and done things with with different people there's been injuries on site and and i've I've seen people lose their jobs because they've like you say that the the duty of care has not been there but then as soon as that report's done and handed in it's done and there's no what happens after day two or day three when these people are away from site and they start having bad dreams or stuff in, uh, suffering mentally with these issues. There's no care there either. So how long did, that duty of care should be prolonged, I do believe, especially with results of PTSD and how six, four to six months you can start seeing signs and symptoms. And we know these people have witnessed something on site. They need to be seen by specialist companies as soon as possible. Um, whether they think they're going to suffer or not, they need to be supported and I think you look at if the riddles are in the tens of thousands every year, and I always say with those tens of thousands of people, the riddle we all know isn't just a, a stub toe. It's it's someone's off work for what five to seven days is it now? I think the um so that isn't there, there's something there. What's happened? What isn't pretty? Or someone's witnessed something or felt something. Um, and duty of care. Yeah, what is duty of care? It's a tough one to even explain that really in the construction sector.
1: As far as you're concerned, you, you said you know you you had your PTSD. You've obviously had your your own issues with mental health, yeah. and now you have thrown yourself in in at the deep end with all of this. How how do you build up the resilience to listen to stories of of men cutting their own throat or hanging themselves, and then go home to your wife and children and stuff at the end of the day? S-
0: sport is the answer, <laughs> quite simply. Yeah, the um, I train. I find I find my kind of free space in. Um, on a treadmill and I, I love going for a jog um, and I'll do that most mornings when I can, as and when I can, I've got two, my wife and two children. Um, I speak with, I speak with a specialist therapist company. Um, I have ways and means that I deal with them as well. If I feel things are getting a little bit on top of me, it happens. It does. And it creeps up and there's little trigger things for me that can ignite my past a little bit, but it's I know what they are and I can spot the signs and my loved ones around me can notice. Steve, so i I, I always say i'm I'm like a dog really i said uh, my wife looks you go steve go for a run You can see it's getting to you and it's literally take the lead off and open the door and let me go and run around the streets but yeah there's there's nothing that um it doesn't you see it all now we we played actually a rugby match last week it was a fire brigade and they really opened our eyes to a bit um about how they deal with different stuff and they they go back then they chew the fat they call it literally in back in the station and they they just get that a good chat going together um but, yeah, I'm very, very much aware of what I deal with and what we see and what we hear on, a, on, on the kind of – on the cold face of it always that, number one, I need to make myself look after myself because before you know it and fortunate, very fortunate now that there's been a lot of press over the last few weeks, but it gets to me. It does get to me 100%, but I just need to know that I put it into a positive way, a positive channel and get rid of it positively because the last thing I want to do is – it through a bottle or and and take that home Um, it's not healthy for anybody
1: now you've mentioned that your personal solution is sport that is obviously the the crux of what construction sport is all about how does that work i mean you've you've mentioned uh, i think you've mentioned rugby you've mentioned running you've mentioned football What, what 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 is construction sport take me through that
0: so it's pretty much it's just my it's again it's me being completely selfish and just saying sport works for me so i'm going to create a sporting opportunity to enjoy myself and guess what? It just so happens. It works for all the guys I work alongside. Um, I'll say, Look, I'm will say, i going to organise a foot five-a-side football match or we're going to go and play golf the weekend. We want a, a, a few four-balls to go out. Let, let, let's do it. We'll get the companies to sponsor it and we'll do it. Or we'll go on a long-distance walk. We've done one from Twickenham to the Excel Centre for a, a big exhibition there at UK Construction Week. And they asked us to open it and I got all the bridges sponsored with it. And we had 50 of us who walked through the night to open it. But just all I want to do is bring companies on as members now, basically just literally just to show that they're supporting what our city idea is, this basic idea and they want to be associated. And by getting associated to us, I don't say that. I just want you to support us. So when I come into your office and to, and I say to you, I want a few people, I want a few volunteers and you've got, to, you've got to help me. And, and th- and they do and they love it now and it works really well. And I'll drag people out there and people know I'll, I won't, I won't re up someone and take a no for an answer. I'll, I'll go in there and grab their arm and say, come on, we're going out. And, uh, if you can get people, and it's I use sport, but a lot of people it could be instruments, could be music. It's finding what your hobby or your passion is, and giving yourself time to, to enjoy that. Um, i mean, notice noticed this with the age. Well, I think they say like 35 to 49. Is it is a bit of a dangerous period of time with uh, men's health, and I, I truly believe that's because we start the fall away from school at 16. We all our, our group, our social circle at school, it takes a hit. I went into the rugby world. My friend, a lot of my friends went into sports, the football world. They end up in a group of friends on their own. I end up in my clique of group. We're still friends, but we're all week in, week out. That group of friends went down to a short few. Then the ladies get involved and families are created. And then that goes down to I'll only be down the club once a month, maybe, or twice a month for. I can't make trainings as many times. And suddenly before you know it, you're hitting these later ages in the 35s and that, and then injuries are starting to occur. You're, you're taking on more problems of the body, and then you start realising I'm not as fit as I used to be. And then you almost cocoon yourself and get into this little dark hole of sitting back. And I'm 33, so I know in a way I've got this to come, these these dangerous years maybe. Um, but I, in a way, I suppose I'm trying to prepare myself. But if you've got, whatever you do, just allow people that opportunity, a time to do it. And I think you've got to be selfish away and I've spoke to a girl there's a company I have sp- sp- spoken to highly with and they always say seventy percent of your time focus on professional your professional seventy percent of your time at work um, think about being professional and delivering the job and do what you do but be selfish and at 30 percent of your day focus on what you're eating the water intake stretching your legs and all this stuff but as well as that. Go home and do it in the same way. So put 70% towards your family and your loved ones and your kids. But be selfish enough to say, I need my 30%. I need to go for a run. I need to go and play a game of football. I need to go and play in the band or, or whatever you do. Or I need to go, I don't know, whatever sport or hobby you have. Just always don't forget what you love doing and make sure you can enjoy it as much as you can because they've got these these community. they've all got their own communities and circles of people that all support people with the same idea.
1: We'll, we'll come back to round off in a second just to find out um, where we find out about construction sport, and I'll put the uh, details of the website up. Yeah, But one of the things that occurred to me there, you've, you've mentioned about the, the fact that there are people out there that are struggling right now. My guess is um, you're not encouraging them to phone you at work uh, if they are struggling with mental health. Who should they phone? Who do they turn to if, if you're working in construction or demolition or an allied industry and you are struggling or you know somebody's struggling?
0: Yeah, this is one we focus on quite a lot, actually, because I was very much there. But from personal experiences, I was kind of more of a case of you've got to look at the man who's next to you, who the, the guy who works next to you. The gang of vet, I always compare it to being the groundwork, the groundwork gang that we had. They're the core team that know me. And when I get in the van at six o'clock in the morning, they know in a second if I've had a bad day or a bad night just from my body language. Take some trust in the people you work alongside. Now, it's a very strange world, I suppose, with remote working now, and it's a very different place. But you've got to create the times to the people you work with support you more. You're with them more than you are your own family. But identifying and understanding what mental health is and then just literally saying that, oh, you're right, let's go for a drink. Let's go for a a bit of dinner tonight, just a cup of coffee, something – Support the people and support yourself with the people alongside you. And I think we can do we can do well. Yet yeah, there's professional help out there. Um there's a number of obviously helplines and that, there's, there's plenty of those, but it's just support the people who are close to you and understand when someone's having a bit of a downer, just take it easy on a little bit and just ask for another 10 minutes at coffee and just just have the chat and you notice it now. I've just been away the weekend and we are starting to realise this now. And I get it a lot from close friends of me now that go, Steve, I'm actually, and they all say to me, look, it's tough. And then when you speak about this 35-year-old-plus sort of thing, I've got guys on my shoulders, that are high, big guys who I know, they're, they're literally in tears saying, it's hard because life is tough. And you've got to realise it's only getting tougher, unfortunately. And we can, we need to, there's there's not enough support out there. We see that through the NHS. There's, you can't get appointments for nothing. So we've got to find the balance and, and and the truth in ourselves to to help each other um there's no there's nothing better than actually just helping someone um we see it firsthand I shook all these guys 30 40 people's hands last week after the game of rugby we played and you can see in a, in each other's eyes that it meant something when you when you tap on something especially with what I'm doing now I don't need the guys to say thank you to me. They can just shake my hand and you can see it in their eyes. That's enough to know that they're, they're not actually on their own. So if you've got someone who's struggling, don't ask them to open up. Just literally, just give them a little taste of what you're going through and how you get through stuff. Because when he realises that, cool, he's not the only one who struggled to pay a bill this month. Or cool, he's not the only one getting a bit of hassle at home. Or he's not the only one who's, whose mortgage has just gone up £500. When you have realized you you're not the only one, so a problem shared is a problem halved sort of thing. So confining the people closest to you is probably the answer. And, we'll, and that's different for everybody, I understand. But just find your community of people, find the people you work with and just just be patient, bear, bear with, and these bad ideas or bad thoughts that come into your head, they will go away. And I had it a few days ago, only for this actually. I was going through a bit of a, a dark few days. I think there's been a few peaks over the last few weeks and then there's been a few downs and then we just found out a poor friend of ours who passed away a couple of days ago, Um, um, he had a heart attack, I think it was. But I said to the guys, literally, um, I said, don't stress. So I said to the guys who were new, I said that the stresses that we're having, it's some personal stuff, a friend of ours has just dropped down overnight. I said, what problem, what are our problems really? I was like, they're not problems, are they? They're really not problems. That is a problem. When, when, when life takes you, that's a real problem. So don't take yourself there so construction
1: sport when 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 is the next five aside when is the next golf game when is the next rugby sevens i I don't know what
0: how does it work yeah so we've been i've been asked we've done a rugby match two weeks ago and actually asked already can we put another uh, rugby game together as quick as possible but we are going to be walking hs2 from birmingham to london start of december um that is now going to be it was going to be starting in november but because of a busy period of time for us at the moment we just uh, put that back a little bit so we're going to be walking over three days 120 miles um and we're inviting people along throughout the route to join us along the way there's six of us as a core team who are going to do that um that's one of the things we've also got a uh, a day of an ice, an ice skip um challenge we're doing in west in west london um Power Day waste uh, waste management have put together a massive skip, and we're bringing an ice, a massive ice bath back actually, and we're bringing the company in to pretty much tell educate people about the, the benefits of of ice um, and cold water therapy basically. So that's another one. Um, what have we got for next year? We'll be doing a long. I think we're going to do it in spring. We're going to do an, a a walking marathon in London. Uh, we'll meet somewhere in central London at six in the morning, and we'll do ten hours of walking. And that, those 10 hours are huge. But, yeah, we're kind of at the moment this time of year, we're getting the calendar ready for January onwards. Um, it's been a busy year of just doing events as we go. But now we know COVID is kind of behind us. We can try and plan out what's going to be going on as we go. So there'll be 5 or side football matches popping up here and there. Yeah, rugby events, golf events pop up all the time. Um, we try not to do two. We we go with the golf events that our clientele will now go to because we realise... At the same time, it's tough for the workforce to be involved in those events because a lot of time it's a very much a white collar place. But um, we're trying to say pretty much drag a few people out of off site and, and bring them to play golf as well. But um, yeah, many different things popping up all the time. We've got to set a lot of stuff in the diary. We, we're very much live on um, on LinkedIn's a big one for us with the uh, advertising what we do for for companies to get involved, and then a lot of stuff for the for the workforce as such is we try and do through means of say Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, TikTok, and. Yeah, every angle of social media, basically.
1: So, final question then, on that basis, where can people find out more about Construction Sport?
0: Yeah, so they can get in touch with us via email, we can, um, info at constructionsport.com. That's the best one we can actually get anything out to everybody. And then also, where are we? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are all Construction Sport, pretty much all at Construction Sport. So, I think Twitter is at Construct Sport, but I think it's Construction Sport.
1: Awesome stuff. Well, I'll go and give you a follow on all of those. Steve, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, Wish you every success with construction sport. It sounds like a fantastic idea.